As we jump into this new series uh, called Foundations, uh, um, it's called Foundations because we're going to be looking at and talking about the vertical foundation uh, that exists between our relationship with us and God. We're also going to talk about the horizontal foundations that exist between us and each other, us and the world outside these walls, outside the church family. And so when you have a vertical foundation and you have a horizontal foundation, it often takes the shape of a cross. And when it takes the shape of a cross, it calls us back to Jesus. It calls us back to the person of Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, the, the, the website for our movement's uh, national office, the landing place, our website. It's called JesusIsTheSubject.org. Jesus is the subject. So we have the vertical foundation, our relationship with God, horizontal foundation, our relationship with each other and the rest of the world, Christ there. Hopefully we, that's what we see at the center, Jesus Christ at the center. It's what draws us together with one another. It's what draws us even closer to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the one that sits there at that cross point. Uh, but as we, again, dive into today to foundations, we're going to look at the vertical foundations. Before we, before we really hit that um, uh, in, in depth here, some of what we want to understand is also is a part of the identity and DNA of Centralia Community Church is to know who we are and what God's calling us to. What's our vision? What's our mission? So just a reminder, our vision, our C3 DNA, our vision is transforming the spiritual landscape of our community for generations to come. All those children who just left this building, this room, those are the generations to come. There are things that they will see that you and I will not be around for. There are things and, and opportunities that we can implant and impart upon the next generation coming up that we will never see, that we will never see. Moses, as he's leading the people out of the promised land, and they're in the desert, and he's, he's struggling to try to, to deal with, with these hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people and their issues going on, and his father-in-law, a wise man, but he comes in and says, what are you doing? That's dumb. You need help. And so he calls 70 elders into his presence to, to sit on places and to uh, help discern and listen to God and to, to take care of some of these things so that Moses isn't the one doing it all. For generations to come, we set a groundwork, a foundation for the next generations to come to hopefully give insight, clarity, understanding to the mission of this church and what God is doing in and through us. Our mission here is reaching our community with the love of Jesus and raising up disciples who impact our world, who love our world. That is our mission. And so what does it mean to pursue, to engage, to impact? Uh, pursue is, when we say pursue, we mean a, a pursue a relationship with Jesus, both in information, what does the text say, what does God's word say, and in application. How do I put this, what I've just read, how do I put this into practice? into my everyday. If we just come and hear the word of God or read it for ourselves at home or wherever we happen to do it and we don't have the, the, the conversation or ask the question, how do I apply this into my life today? What does this look like in my life today? Then this information, what the Bible says, is does very little it's very, uh, of, of any use. We've gotta both have the, the conversation of the, the information as well as the application into our life. And so we want to get to the point of what is God saying? 
What's God saying to us? What are, what are we hearing from him and, and where is he calling us? When we say engage, what we mean by engage is engage in relationship with fellow believers for encouragement, accountability, cultivating a family on mission so that what we hear from God, we aren't just blatantly going out and doing it without confirming within community what God has said. If we don't confirm within community what God is telling us, what we're hearing from God, then there are all kinds of atrocities can happen. All kinds of trauma and uh, tragic things can take place if we're not willing to sit in community, be accountable, uh, have, have those conversations to go in deeper. God, what is it you're saying you're calling me into? And this community that comes around helps to confirm that. It helps to confirm, to give flesh to the bone, to give meaning, to give purpose. So engaging and confirming with community is so important. And when we say impact, what we mean by impact is impacting a world that doesn't know God yet with the love of Jesus. Calling us to be the light, to bring the light into those dark places. There are dark places that exist all around us. It's hard not to even just um, uh, listen to the news in the evening or whenever it happens to be on, or to read the paper or see an article come up and, and get a notification. There are all kinds of darkness that exists all around us, in our community and beyond. And so as, as a part of the DNA, C3 DNA, is that we are called to, uh, and, we, and when we know and hear what God is saying, we confirm it within community and we respond. We respond to the needs that exist within our community, uh, within our neighborhoods, within the world at large, and we, with the hope that we are to be the light bringers into these places, to shine the light of Jesus into those places that they don't already exist, or they need you in there to be that person of hope, to be that person of hope. So as we dive into uh, this morning, we're gonna be looking at Pursue. And Pursue is, is a vertical foundation, our relationship with God. We start here. Um, and so the question is, do you desire a relationship with Jesus? Really, that vertical foundation is, do you desire a relationship with Jesus? Do you want to know who he is and who you are because of him? And for those that say yes, the next question is, do you desire, do you wish to be baptized? For those who've said yes to Jesus and relationship with him, in scripture we read over and over and over again of those who've said yes, have become believers in Jesus, are baptized and baptized into a new creation. Something, the old is gone, the new has come. You are something new in relationship with Jesus. And the vertical foundation, do you desire relationship with, relationship with Jesus? Uh, have you been baptized? Here at C3, we value a Jesus-shaped life that desires an intimate relationship with Jesus. We value this. This upward dimension, this uh, up, us with Jesus, we value that. And we value that at the start of the conversation. It doesn't negate the horizontal foundation or relationship with one another, but we start with that. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you want a relationship with Jesus? Do you want to know him and be known by him and, and better know who you are because of him and the character that God has that you have? What, uh, what Jesus is, is about and what you're about. Do you desire a relationship with him? We, we, we value here at C3 a Jesus-shaped Jesus life that desires an intimate relationship with Jesus. As we dive into scripture this morning, we're gonna be uh, looking at Luke 15. So if you have your Bible or your device, you can open up to Luke 15. When I say pursue, a lot of times, and it's just our Western culture, or maybe it's humanity, 
When we say pursue, it's like I must be the one that's doing. I must be the one that's going. And although that, that's um, a novel idea, I suppose, it isn't how the kingdom of God works. You are not, as we sang this morning, a child of God because you wanted to be a child of God. You are a child of God because God pursues you. He created you and he pursues you and desires a relationship with you. Yes, it does require for you to say yes, but it doesn't require for you to run to him. Because what we see in Luke 15, in in multiple cases, is that you're not the one running back to God. You're not the one running to God. You're not the one pursuing God. It is God pursuing you, and it is an openness to receive his love, his affection, his pursuit of you. Has nothing to do with you um, just going after him. It does require you to say yes to him, to maybe turn towards him, to see. Yes, it does require some, some response, some action, a heart change for sure. But let me tell you, it isn't your work that gets you into relationship with God. It isn't your work that gets you to be a child of him. He has created you. He has called you. You are his. And he wants to be in relationship with you. Right? If... Okay, let's just dive in before we just get. <laughs> We're not going to read all of, of chapter 15, but I do, I do encourage you to read these others because it all layers on top of itself. So starting in verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Until he finds it, when he has found it, he lays uh, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." I tell you that in the same way. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need, who need no repentance. Heaven will rejoice over one that says yes to Jesus. Will you forgive me of my sins? Repenting of that. If you continue in Luke 15, it talks about the woman searching for the lost coin. And then the most famous one is the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son uh, uh, leaving the family, uh, squandering the, the money that was given, the inheritance, and then at a place of desperation, I guess I'll go home and, and be a servant in my father's house. And as the father is at home and he looks out on the horizon and he sees his son who has been gone for who knows how long, it wasn't the child, it wasn't the son who went running back home. It was the father who picks up his cloak and runs after him. That is, the, that is a picture of God and us. It's what he does for us. It's what he, he desires to do for us. Lord, I have squandered everything. I have been living for the world. I have, I have done this and done that. I have chosen my own way. And God, God through the story in Luke 15, the heaven rejoices over the one. Then the 99 who are in an open pasture enjoying good fruits, field of grass, it's good. The sun comes out, it feels good, it's great. One who has wandered off, that shepherd, Jesus, God, goes after him because he cares for him. 
And he puts it on his shoulder. I encourage you to just Google Luke 15, verse 5. Look that up. <laughs> what you'll see is the shepherd just carrying the sheep. That's the picture of God in you and God in me. I know as a pastor, I do not know all that needs to be done. I do not have the answers for tomorrow. I don't. But I, I rest in knowing that I am the sheep that Jesus carries. He has come after me and he's put me on his shoulders and he carries me home. And if I am faithful for today, to do today what God has called me to do, that tomorrow will be taken care of. Because I'm on his shoulders and he's carrying me back home. He's welcoming me back into the flock. It's what he does for each of you and maybe some of you in here this morning need to hear that. It doesn't matter what you have done outside these walls until you come in here. It doesn't matter what has taken place outside. What does matter is when you come in here or when you meet with God, Lord, forgive me. I turn to you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my ways. And do you know, when you, in, in, that, in that heart posture, in those words, do you know who, what happens? It's not you moving, it's God rushing in. It is a door open to God rushing into your heart saying, yes, and I've, I've held you this entire time. I have watched you, I have cared for you, I have seen you, I have noticed that you've wandered off, and I have been searching. And we have that heart posture that opens up, it's like he comes running in, running after us. The whole entirety of scripture talks about this. From the garden where Adam and Eve, he creates this beautiful place and he just says there's one thing. There's just one thing. And what, oh man, isn't that true of humanity? If there is one thing in a room we're not allowed to touch but there's all kinds of glorious and great things in there, we're usually drawn to that one thing, right? Doesn't matter what it is or how, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's glowing or not. It's this one thing. But in this, in this moment of disobedience, Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And after this happens, they realize they're naked and they, they clothe themselves with, with fig leaves. In the next portion of the scripture in, in Genesis chapter three, who comes into the garden? God. He comes into the garden in the cool of the day and he calls out to them, where are you? Another picture of God is the one that's approaching us. God is the one coming in, looking. Where are you? And oftentimes, when we find ourselves in a moment or in a pattern of sin, we, we are self-conscious. We're self-conscious that we know, I have, I've messed up, I've done wrong. It's any, anything from the big stuff to the small stuff. And we, and we, and we then clothe ourselves with this self-consciousness uh, uh, of like, ah, Shame. Shame is not something God desires for you. The difference between guilt and shame is that guilt is, is I, I have done something wrong and a recognition of that, and I'm guilt, I feel guilty or I am guilty of that. Shame is, says I am wrong. As a creation of, the, uh, of, of God, of the creator, you are not wrong. Your identity founded in, in God is not wrong. He didn't create a mistake. You are not wrong. You may have done something wrong, but you are not wrong. Adam and Eve in the garden, they felt shame. Not guilt, they felt shame. 
and they clothe themselves with fig leaves. And that's what we do. We, we feel shame. We feel like I am not good enough. I am not enough. I can't make it. I am wrong. And then we take up something to, to cover us. We take up a coping mechanism or, or something to, 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 to cover, to, to, to just make us feel like, okay, maybe now I can exist in this place. There isn't any amount of coping mechanisms that would last long enough than the love of Jesus. Than the sacrifice that he went to the cross. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ on the cross, shedding his blood for you and for me, giving us a way back to God. There is no amount of fig leaves or coping mechanisms that we could place over us that would get us a way back to God. And he's still the one coming into the garden. He's still the one coming after you, seeing you on the horizon, running after you. All through scripture, from the garden to the lost sheep, to the prodigal son, to Psalm 139, reminding us, this is how I have created you. I knew you before you came into this world. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know your thoughts before you think them. I know, your th- I know what you say before, you're gonna, before it comes out of your mouth. I know you. And how does he know us? Because he created us. It's a God who created us. You're not wrong. We may have messed up and done wrong, but we are not wrong. Our person, how God has created us, it's with a purpose. In Luke 19, as you continue on to Luke, uh, the story at at the end of with Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus is up on a tree looking and seeing Jesus coming into town. And and he says, Jesus comes through and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He says, come down. I'm going to your house today. And what do we just read in Luke 15? Oh, Jesus is the one who eats with tax collectors and sinners, and they gather around him. Church, if we can gather around people who feel lost and broken and on the outside, and we can offer a space that says, because of Jesus and, what, and who he is and what he's done on the cross and what he's done in my life, there's a place for you. C3, the DNA of C3, is that this is a place for people who may find themselves on the outside so that they can hear that there is a way back Because of Jesus, there is a way back. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right, even in Isaiah 65, as God's calling out, as Isaiah writes, God's calling out, he says, here am I. Here am I to a people who weren't looking. That even, that even says in a statement that, that God is willing to go after the people who are not looking. And he says, here am I. The people who are, who are disobedient, the people who were rebellious, read Isaiah, the first part of Isaiah 65, the people who didn't care. And God stands there and says, here am I. Here am I. The entirety of the Bible is a story of God pursuing his creation, desiring to be in relationship with his creation, desiring to reconcile the world back to him. And he calls us as believers, as Christians, to be ambassadors of this work, to take the light into those dark places, to go before it. We are called to this work. If we say yes to Jesus, if we have been baptized and we are a new creation, this is the work he's called us into. I keep coming back to this in the 40 days since the installation and today, this is day 41. 
from March 12th until today. Don't check my math. I just, I made that up. Okay, just like my middle name, but it's close. That I keep coming back to 2 Corinthians 5. I, I keep coming back to, um, uh, to us being called to this work. Us being called to this work of reconciliation. That is the work he's called us to. And for us to know that because of Jesus, there is a way back to God. No matter what you've done, you are not wrong even if you have done wrong. You are pur purposeful. It's in he's intentional with you. So how, in the question of pursue, how do you experience God in the everyday? If God is, is, the, is the kind of God who pursues you every day, he is the one running after you, no matter if you're rebellious or uh, disobedient, he is the one coming into the garden. Where are you? Isaiah 65, here am I. Running after the sun, he sees on the horizon. He runs after us, he pursues us. So how do we experience God in the everyday? And maybe the question too is, do you experience God in the everyday? If God is the creator of all things, we ought to see him in the everyday. We ought to see him in the everything that he has created, whether it's in relationships that we have, or it's in the nature that we see, or the certain ideas that come up, the, create, the creative nature of God's, God's world and his people, we ought to see that. We ought to experience God in the everyday because he's a God who pursues you at every moment of every day. Because he loves you, and he desires to be in relationship with you. And if you are in relationship with God, he desires a deeper relationship. It's never ending. There isn't a retirement to this faith. It continues on. He calls us into deeper and deeper relationships as understanding who he is and who we are because of him. In every season of life, something different changes. Something happens. Uh, we're, we're called into a deeper relationship. So in our individual pursuit of God, knowing God helps us better to know who we are because of him. What is God saying to you? And are you listening? There's also a collective pursuit of all of us in the family of God in our pursuit of him. We pursue God individually and collectively, engaging with fellow believers to help encourage the pursuit of God. I need people in my life who will ask me the question, how are you doing in your relationship with God? Those three, uh, four people you saw on the screen, that's from different phases of my life, and all three of them are integral in me just being here in Centralia. And so as I was not able to watch that video because they kept it from me, how dare you? <laughs> Watching that video, I am, I am noticing and recognizing that in those different seasons of life, God has been at work. He has been integral in people that are a part of my life, encouraging me, encouraging uh, Lori and I in our marriage, encour encouraging us in our ministry, calling us into, other, into places that we didn't think we could go or were ready to go. Each one of those individuals uh, have, have helped me pursue God in a deeper, uh, in a deeper way. And so as we pursue and engage works together, it's interdependent. And that next week when we talk about engage and how the believers, how we desire to engage with one another in a horizontal foundation, um, it works together and in collaboration with the pursue and in pursuing God. 
So as I, as I close this morning, uh, up on the screen will be a QR code and I believe also the website. But this is the place that we, I encourage you to go to find resources to help stay connected in, in pursuing a relationship with God. Uh, connected to that program are links to a Moravian Daily Text, which is uh, essentially just a two-year Bible reading plan. And many of us uh, are following that plan. So we're reading an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm or a Proverb, and each day we're, we're reading the Word. And then when we, when we know that we're a part of this reading plan, then we get to have conversations. This, this time we've been through Job. Uh, my, my oldest son and I, as we go, as I take him to school in the morning, I, I pop on the, the Old Testament, so we've been reading through, listening through Job in the car on the way to school. Um, and the, it's so funny, on the first conversations we're listening to Job, he goes, this, that guy did not have a lot going for him. <laughs> And now as we're approaching the end of the, of the book, what we're hearing is a, it's a different tone in Job. A still faithfulness to worship God and not to forsake God. But boy, the journey that he's been through. I'm telling you the kinds of conversations that come because we're listening to the Bible and we're having those conversations about what do we hear from God? The application question when we're listening to the information and the context and the scripture. Um, also attached there is um, a link to Right Now Media that you, have a, uh, uh, you can have an opportunity to have access to studies and videos that help us go deeper. Um, there's also the celebration on Sunday. And when we gather together, this is part of that vertical and horizontal foundation. There are links to refresh groups that you can get connected in and beyond just Sunday morning in, in the sanctuary in small groups and gathered and, and being refreshed in God's word and being fresh, refreshed in community. We have gone from a zero um, before they started in those in small groups to nearly 100 people in small groups. People connected in groups, hearing about and being refreshed about what, what people are going on in their everyday, but also being encouraged to go out into the rest of the week or into the rest of their day and be uh, knowing that they have a group that's praying for them, worshiping together, connected together. There are other gatherings. Also, there's a prayer team. Prayer team meets Sunday at 9 a.m. in the conference room. Also, they meet here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night over here by the prayer wall. And if you put a card in here or a paper in the prayer wall, that gets pulled out every Wednesday and prayed for. You don't have to put your name. But do know that you have a group of people who if you're needing prayer during the week, that on Wednesday at six o'clock, that group of people diligently, faithfully pulls out those cards and prays for those needs. Last week we had a child put a, put a card in there. And we got to pull that card out and pray for that child, pray for that child's parents and that, that child's dog, and it, it's a beautiful thing. And it ought to be how the church works. And it is how C3 operates. We will pray for each other. We will encourage each other as we gather together. So I encourage you, if you have a phone uh, QR code or go to the website, but that, those are places, resources to connect and stay engaged as you pursue a relationship with God because know that God is pursuing a relationship with you first. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Reminders in Luke of, uh, Lord, it is you who's running after us. It is you in, in heaven that is rejoicing over those who are repenting and saying yes to you, Jesus, who are desiring to follow you in their every day. So God, thank you for that reminder that it isn't us doing the work, but it's you, God, first coming after us. 
I pray that we be faithful to open ourselves, to have a heart posture that says, Lord, I don't desire to, uh, to live into, the, into shame. I don't desire to clothe myself with coping mechanisms. But God, I desire to open myself to you and what you're doing. And as your spirit works, God, I pray we'd be faithful to hear you, hear and know what you're saying, and then to respond. Thank you, Lord. Lead us, I pray, in your name, amen.